This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Welcome to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. I am so excited. I just posted on my story how excited I was to be talking to one of my favorite people today, Jenna Lee, a renowned journalist and someone who I always say gives you the news straight. That is her objective. That's her job. And she does it better than anyone I know. Jenna, welcome to The Resilient Life. I'm so excited to be here, Ryan. Thank you. And that was quite an introduction. I don't know if I'm renowned. In my in in my own mind, I am. <laughs> my kids You're renowned would in my mind. Differ. <laughs> and you are renowned in many people. I see the everything you're doing at Smarter News, and I, I want to get into that. But uh, you're renowned not just for being a journalist, but the way that you have built your company is so inspiring, and I've watched it from day one. And, you know, we'll kind of start with, you were at Fox for many years, and um, we met through then. You, you graciously had uh, me on your show and highlighted the work of the Travis Manning Foundation, shared Travis's um, story with your viewers, and you've done so much for TMF over the course of the last several years. And I remember being inspired by you then and just realizing there was something a little bit different about you in the way you connected with the people you were interviewing. And, you know, I'm, I'm interviewed a lot and you don't always find that connection with that person. And I found that with you right away. And so that's something I have to imagine is a little bit uh, innate that, that you can't make up. And, um, and you certainly have that, but you're at Fox for many years and then, you know, you left and some say you left a bit abruptly. And I remember when you left and I was like, wait, why is she leaving? You know, I, I was stunned when you left Fox and, um, and you talked about how you wanted to start your own media platform. And frankly, I was like, oh, I don't, this sounds a little bit risky. Right. And so <laughs> I, I'd loved it. Well, let's start here. Let's start with what got you into the world of journalism and, and your passion for journalism? Because I think that will help shape the, the path that, that you have led. So let's start with that. Well, that's a great question. I think a couple of things were streams to get into a career as a journalist. One of the things you just mentioned, which is innate, I love talking to people. I'm genuinely curious about other people way more than myself. And this even played it out when I was a little girl riding the bus in San Francisco, you know, people would come sit down next to me. They'd start talking about their stories. I love that. I didn't, I thought that's just how things worked. I thought everyone just sort of made small talk. And as I've grown older, more mature, maybe I should say, I realized that that's not always the case. And so that was something that right away, just from, from, as far back as I can remember, that's something that I've enjoyed listening to other people, hearing their, their stories, asking questions, but also being someone that, you know, every once in a while, someone will just start telling me their story. And so why that happens or what's behind that is probably a, a higher power than that I can fully appreciate or explain. But through my younger years, you know, my grandfather was a war correspondent uh, in the Associated Press. And I never really got a chance to get to know him very well, Ryan, because he was much older when I was in elementary school and he passed away, you know, when I was still very young. I saw these images of him. He had this massive living room. Let me say, it seemed massive to me. I don't think it was very big. <laughs> it had a, you know, a leather couch and a big leather chair. And he had these national geographic magazines stacked up next to him. He spent his whole entire career as a journalist, mainly with the associated press after he went overseas during world war II, but he had failing eyesight. And so eventually he wasn't able to work anymore. And he had these huge magnifying glasses that he would use to try to read the newspaper or read national geographic. And he always had suspenders and a fedora hat on, and he had a patch over his eyes. So again, if you thinking about this as a little kid, 
it's really intimidating, but I found him sort of fascinating. He had always smoked a pipe, you know, there's, it really does sound like out of a movie, but he was very much a real character in my mind. And I do find it sort of ironic that I followed in his footsteps without really being able to talk to him. And so throughout the years, I always was interested in writing. I thought writing is where I want to go. I want to be an author. I want to be a writer. Uh, but I also really liked local news in San Francisco. And I thought, wow, those news anchors, they have such a great job because, you know, they're able to talk about the news, but then they're able to go into their communities where people actually know and respect them and they're able to do good work. And I thought that's such an amazing job. You know, you can actually do some of what you love, but then you have an opportunity to give back in a different way. And so that's eventually what led to a passion for journalism. But I would say that I, I wasn't willing to make that leap into journalism for a long time. You know, I graduated from college. I took a couple of different jobs. I was in an executive training program at Levi Strauss's headquarters in San Francisco. I went through a massive layoff and I had been freelancing for a local San Francisco newspaper that I happened to call in a crazy situation after I actually saw someone pass away in front of me. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, life is short. I really need to pursue what I want to do. Called this, this newspaper cold and end up writing for them freelance. And so I had some clips. I got laid off. I didn't know what to do. I ended up going to Nepal and then flying back and taking the entrance exam for Columbia's Graduate School of Journalism. And I ended up getting into Columbia. And that's really where my graduate studies took me into the direction of like, if I don't try this, I'm really going to regret this for my entire life. And I got to give it a shot. And so that's, that's really how I got, got into journalism. You would think looking back on that story, there were so many clues, you know, why, why did I just pursue it right away? Right. But, you know, it took me some time to really get acquainted with what my story was supposed to be too. And it still does. Well, I think that's, you know, I think that's kind of part of the process, right? This idea that you kind of have to try different things and, you know, ultimately figure out who you want to be when you grow up. And I totally, that, that takes a lot of people a long time, but I think that's, that's part of figuring it out. And, and that's important. So you're working in San Francisco and what leads you to Fox? So that was also, if you look back on your life, I'm sure everyone looks back and you think, well, why did I take this detour? The, the detours in my life prior to being a journalist were actually what set me up for the biggest break in my career, which was to be hired as part of the Fox Business Network. They were not even operating at the time I was hired. They were looking for new people that no one had ever seen before, which was great because I had very little experience and never been on television. <laughs> But what I have no. been doing is I had been working at, I, so I graduate from Columbia. I ended up staying in New York city. I got offered a few different on-air jobs in different places of the country, but literally could not afford to move myself. So I ended up temping at a, what was a private equity firm more or less at filing. So I graduate from Columbia and then I file for eight to 10 hours a day. And then in the off hours, I freelanced and tried to get more clips. Eventually I worked for a local station as a news writer, which I love. I would go in in the middle of the night and I'd write news for someone else to read. That was a great opportunity. I ended up producing there. And then Forbes.com was looking for people to do video, which was like novel then. Someone's going to do video on the internet. You know? right. <laughs> and so I was able to parlay some of my experiences there. The reason why I was even hired at Forbes though, is that I had met the managing editor a couple of years earlier. And he had said to me, you know, you really should consider business news because you have worked in corporate America. I had managed a, a team of 150 people, for example, at a private property. I had been in an executive training program uh, at a major corporation. And he said, you know, it's not just about stocks. You need to be able to speak to other business people. And not a lot of people in business news have actually worked in real life situations beyond journalism, and this could be helpful to you. And so that's how I ended up working at Forbes. And it was from Forbes that I then made the step to Fox Business. So one of the things that I find really interesting, and it was actually something that attracted me to you as a, uh, 
I, what do you call it when you take your position at Fox? You're not a reporter, right? Are you considered a reporter? Um, well, I was hired as a correspondent. Then I was later, I was later promoted to an, a news anchor. And that's okay, how, and, so, and I prefer that, that I think is best because a lot of people are referred to now as hosts, which I think is really important for people to listen for, because when you're a host, you're not really necessarily a journalist. Right. And so that's why I do think that, yeah. So I was hired, eventually I became a news anchor there. So news anchor, and listen, there are a lot of different networks um, that have news anchors and or, or hosts, however you want to frame them. But I think it's fair to say that today, media and news anchors, hosts um, in the media actually make the news as much as they report on the news. And I think that 100%. has become a big issue. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, am I my limited expertise in the media, I think it's probably one of the biggest issues today. And you never took that stance. You never, you never crossed that line. You were a news anchor. You reported on the news. And outside of, and this is not a biased opinion because I know you, because I also, before I knew you, I watched you. And that was one of the reasons I loved watching you. Um, and ultimately why we reached out to you to, um, work closely with the Travis Manning Foundation um, because you didn't have this slanted bias. And, and you were on a, um, you're on Fox News and, and take Fox News for what it is, but people have an, an opinion of what Fox News represents, just as they have opinion of what MSNBC and CNN represents. But you were a news anchor on Fox News that was delivering the news straight. And that was refreshing. And and I imagine at times, and, and I'd love for you to, to touch on this, was that hard to not take that step over to having an, an opinion? And um, never, 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 never. Because I got into journalism to tell other people's stories, not to become the story. And I didn't get into television news because I wanted to be a TV star. I got into television news because <laughs> this is also funny. I got accepted to Columbia based on my writing. And then you were able to check the box for what sort of modality you wanted to focus on. So there was digital and there was print and there was broadcast and broadcast allowed you to do a lot of different things, including learn radio, learn TV a little bit. And I was paying my own way. The first thing my father said to me when I got into Columbia, I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. You know, he was like, great. How are you going to pay for it? I was like, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Worried about that now. What am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I was working like three or four jobs at the time and, you know, obviously got a loan to go to school, but I checked the box for broadcast because I thought that's really, that actually really scares me. Um, I've looked at these news anchors. I've admired them. I, I think maybe I could do that. But if I'm paying my own way, I want to learn as much as possible because that's a better investment. And so that's how I ended up in broadcast. And listen, I love broadcast. I think it's great to be able to talk to someone face-to-face -face or something actually about the news. And I'm sure you, what, what you're talking about is not just people wanting to insert themselves into stories, but it's a feeling that you can get from someone that's on television that, that doesn't maybe sit, that maybe you're not able to articulate all the time. Like- why do I feel so much comfortable watching this person versus watching this person? And there's something about live TV, even with all the production and the makeup and the fake eyelashes and everything that you actually are able to get a sense of someone. And I always found that very fascinating that there's these moments on live television, even with all that production that are very, very authentic. And you live for those moments, the good ones and the bad ones, because it's where you see someone's humanity and you learn something. And so for me, I never was interested in becoming a host. I never was interested in my own opinion. I still get very nervous. Even I know you, Ryan, I actually hate talking about myself. I don't find it easy. I don't think I'm smooth in my delivery. I don't tell my own story. Great. I don't have a lot of practice in it because it's not something I actually really enjoy. I'd much rather talk about you. In fact, you might see me ask you questions in the middle of this as, <laughs> I, as I fall back into familiar habits, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, I was thinking about this actually the other night too, because there's a lot of trajectories at Fox and Fox now was, is even different than the Fox that I started at. I had the benefit of starting at the business network and anchoring a show at five o'clock in the morning, which meant that I got into work at 2 a.m. 
And so I wasn't a part of any of these primetime productions that were really editorial. And I wasn't interested enough in becoming a primetime host that I was willing to just get on television and spout off about, you know, anything. And there are some people that believe that that sort of exposure is helpful to them if they're looking for more of an opinion role or a host role. And I just never was desperate enough for that. That kept me out of a lot of trouble. That kept me out of a lot of trouble because it was known. I, it's like, you don't cross the Rubicon, you know, your first year or two, like like people kind of leave you alone. And I can't really explain that other than people knew that I drew a line. And so they never came to me for that. They didn't come to me for opinion too. And and it's interesting too, because you talk about like people, you kind of drew that line, right. Or people drew that line when you were at Fox uh, at the end of your career at Fox, it was a rocky time at Fox. And yeah, it was a disaster. There was, there was a lot going on. Um, this was kind of the, the, the falling of, you know, sexual harassment charges being thrown around and, you know, I mean, I can only imagine as a female at, at Fox, just even if you weren't a part of what was happening, you were a part of what was happening. And, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. was making assumptions, frankly, about every news anchor and host that was at Fox that was a female. And, um, did that play into uh, your decision-making process as you were kind of thinking about what came next for you? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what was interesting, I mean, there's so many different things that were interesting and difficult about that time, but there was a real moment at the network. If that would allow, let me see if I could phrase this correctly. You know, when some, when, when we all go through very difficult periods, you emerge from those periods and based on your actions or your decisions, you can actually chart a new course. And I was curious about that. What's really important to know about that time period for me, Ryan, is during the, the, again, you're like, how did, how, how do you get places? And then how do you avoid certain situations? When Fox was imploding underneath these sexual harassment charges, and I mean, the network was just reeling, I was on maternity leave. And so I was, and ironically had a little, I just gave birth to a little girl. And it was a very confusing time to be outside of the building while all of this was, so I was really watching this story unfold as a consumer. And then I stepped back in, it was right before the 2016 elections and it was chaos. And that's a very difficult thing for, unless you've been through something like that, I don't really know what matches it. I mean, we literally didn't know who was running the network from hour to hour. In fact, there would be times that I would be on TV because, and this is important to know, the show that I did was called Happening Now. I did it for seven years. And our responsibility was to do breaking news and straight news. So we were sort of this protected space. We had a directive. The directive was cover the news. (laughs) It wasn't to do a lot of opinion. And it was, if there's a breaking news situation anywhere in the country, we have live video. We're going to go to that. It seemed to drift from that as we got more into the election period, but it was a particularly political time. There's a lot to cover. So there'd be times I would be on live TV and I would get a call from in, in my IFB, someone's talking to me in my ear, uh, check your notes. You're going to have to make this announcement. And it would be an announcement about the network <laughs> and, you know, and there's no background. It's just like, oh yeah, we got to get on this because other people are reporting it. it could be about someone leaving. It could be about something. I mean, it, and it, so it was very bizarre. And for that whole, almost whole entire year before I left, I didn't have one meeting with one executive. They want meet. They, I, I really was in the dark for a lot of the the internal workings of what was happening at the network. But I also could see that again, going back to business where people put their money tells you a lot about where their priorities are. And I could tell that the investments were not going towards news, <laughs> you know, it wasn't going towards news delivery. That's right. for sure. A hundred percent. And so that's what I'm interested in. That's what I'm good at. I can't even fake it really to be a commentator. I mean, that opportunity has come up periodically over the years. I can't even do it. Right. It just wouldn't even, it would work. My integrity would not allow it, but even if I wanted to, it would be terrible. I would be successful at it. And so that was one of the reasons that I took a big step back and thought, 
you know, this Island that I'm on is shrinking. If I can detach myself emotionally from the situation and being at a dream job for me, what is the right path here? And I knew in my heart, it, it wasn't to stay. And now there was all sorts of conversations about that, that led in a lot of different directions. Um, but one of the things I did do just thinking about this, about the period of, of harassment is I, I thought, you know, this is ridiculous. No female is even stepping up to like check in on other women, you know, and the way women treat each other in the workplace actually is, I think, the leading determinant of how successful we are. I think it's a, very easy to fall into these gender, you know, well, the men do this and the women do, no, the way women treat each other also sets a tone. And so I thought I'm one of the few anchors, I'm going to arrange an event. And I invited everybody that was mostly everybody, you know, everyone that was on air, people that were more experienced than me, more successful than me, those that were working in digital as a copy editors. And they, they came and you should have seen these women come together and just talk. You know, they didn't even have the opportunity to do that. No one said, wow, this is a really tough time. I'm really sorry. We're all going through this. Um, and I thought I'm really proud that I did that, but I also was so dismayed that I was the only one to do it. Like, where was everybody else? Right. You know, where was everybody else? Um, and so I thought to myself, this was also a time where you think the lack of investment in news properties, there's something going on with women in the workplace. I'm not sure exactly what it is in all levels for everybody, but there's a problem here. There's a problem for women and how they're working, who they're working with, how this is happening. And maybe I can solve these two problems. Like I'm uniquely positioned to have insight into these two issues. So it would be it would be a shame not to try to put what I've learned to work. And that's where I thought, well, maybe, and it wasn't an instant thing. I didn't leave Fox and be like, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I left Fox being like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And this is super dangerous that I'm doing this because you cannot leave these jobs and step back in. Right. Um, and so I think over the years, that's also dawned on me, the, the ramifications of that decision that at some time, were described by some to me as devastating. And I can tell you at some points they have been, but it was the only way. And I think that through that, you know, and, and I'd love to talk about the evolution of smarter news, but you listen, I was one of the people that when I remember I received a text from you and you said, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaving Fox or you would just, or I left Fox. And I was like, why would she do that? Like she's mm -hmm. got this, this great, in spite of everything that was happening, like you made it to one of the top networks in the world. You've got a, a, an anchor job for two hours a day where you're reporting the news and you have a platform to share the news with millions of people. I'm like, what, what's to come, you know? And I remember one of the first conversations you had shared with me about smarter news and, and frankly, it tied in everything you just talked about this idea of how, um, you can bring women together. You can make them part of the conversation. You can empower them, um, and deliver the news. But again, there's a lot of people with a lot of great ideas and, um, and not all of them work. In fact, most people that are entrepreneurs, they fail. And so, um, I've watched you over the course of the last several years build smarter news and you have presented to the public, the struggles that it has been like the, the, the time, the effort, the sleepless nights. And I'll yes. tell you what, still today, you'll post something at like 2am and I'm like, Oh my God, Jenna, go to bed. Like you've got three kids, like I, I, you, you make me tired watching everything you do. Um, but it's so inspiring. And I think it is, um, in today's world, knowing that you can go out and you can pursue those types of dreams, but also knowing that it, nothing's going to be handed to you. Like you're going to have to work your butt off. And I think that's an important thing, um, to show people, to show the hard work, the, the sweat and the tears that it's going to take to accomplish something like this. But let's talk a little bit about the evolution of Smarter News uh, after leaving Fox and, and what that looked like at the beginning and then and what it looks like today. So what's really important to know, despite everything that I just said about Fox and 
you know, the, what I was seeing as far as investment from the company and what was happening with sexual harassment and my own sort of like, I'm not sure where I fit in here. There was one fundamental drumbeat in the final years up until I left. And this was not in the, you know, in the six month period before the Trump administration, this was not even two years. And we're talking about five years when we're really using social media to communicate with our viewers. And one of the main questions that I got from viewers and also friends and family, and this was in earnest because people knew that I wasn't particularly partisan, you know, so they weren't asking this to be coy. They were actually asking this to, to really get an answer. They would ask me, where do you go to get the news? Like, where do you go? Like, where do you actually find it? And I would have some suggestions, you know, question. really great. Yeah. And it, and, and it was genuine because they didn't feel like they were getting it from different media networks. And, and they, there was a feeling that wasn't just disappointment. It was betrayal. And what I thought was interesting is that our viewers at Fox were repeatedly telling me that they were annoyed by the debate and the commentary. No one has ever come to me and said, you know what? I'd really like an, another opinion on that. Like, that would be great. Can we have more debate on that? Everyone's like, this is driving me crazy. I don't even know what's happening. These people are fighting and then you guys are going to commercial. And so the customer dissatisfaction was really important to me because that was something else that I was thinking about as being part of a business. I'm looking at this business, this huge network that's making billions of dollars. And I'm thinking to myself, they're not listening to their customer. And if they're not listening to their customer, they can't survive for very long. And as I was meeting with different media networks, as I was charting my next path, this was happening while I was at Fox and afterwards, I realized that Fox was not an outlier. It was actually a lot of media networks were thinking the same way about their audience. You know, people are motivated by this debate and opinion, and we're going to give them to them. And it's going to be, you know, we're going to like, that's what they need. And, and that's not what people were telling me. That's not what people actually need. They actually just need the news. That's actually what is helpful. And when I think about a news service, it's really a customer service. You should feel good about being current. You should feel good that you know something about what's happening in the world. Even if it's just like one article a day, that should feel good. You shouldn't feel aggravated by it. How many restaurants do you know that if you went to them and you got more aggravated by being there that you'd go back to, but for some reason, news networks still feel that's the way that it's going to work for them. It's not, they, they could talk about rising viewership. They can talk about it's not, that's phony. They, they don't even have a real good way to, to read that. We have Nielsen ratings and that's it. There's no other game in town. So there's very other few businesses that you would use one rating and stand by it. And everyone like disagrees on it. You know, right. it's like, how do we really know if this is number one, helping people? How do we know if the consumer is really connected? How do we even say to advertisers? Oh yeah. You know, we have a million viewers. Like, are you really delivering them a million viewers or a million aggravated viewers that are then going to watch their commercial. I mean, it just seems like the whole business model was wrong and I don't have any business experience, which is key because I didn't know how to launch a new business, but I thought, well, here's the basic things. People actually just need access to the news. One of the things I've heard specifically from my peers, which are women and didn't matter if they were stay-at-home moms or they were professionals is that they felt that they were failing when it came to news consumption. And I really felt that the news was failing them, that their lives had changed dramatically. They're not watching the Today Show two hours a day. They're not even looking forward to it. They're not even watching the clips on social media. They actually want the news and they're actually as interested in foreign policy as anybody else. But that was another thing. Oh, people aren't really interested in those tough stories. You know, I'd get that a lot. I'm like, people actually are really interested in foreign policy. It's sort of fascinating. (laughs) Just do it better, you know? And so- that's where the idea of smarter news came about. I was on a plane and I thought, I, I felt that I was called to, again, problem solve. Like I, I've been given these incredible opportunities. How can I use those experiences to actually serve other people? How can I actually improve their situation? And then I'm looking at all these magazine covers about sexual harassment. I'm thinking about the women in my life that feel like they can't catch up or participate in conversations because they're real busy. And I thought, what do people really want from the news? I was writing down a bunch of words and, um, And I thought people want to feel smarter by the news. They don't want to feel dumber. This is very basic, (laughs) you know, and that's how smarter news was born. And I looked up smarter, like H E R smarter news. And I looked up smarter news and neither of them were bought. And so on the plane, I actually bought those domains and that's where I thought, like, how can I develop a platform that actually delivers smarter news? And what does that look like? I think you hit on something really important too, this idea of you want to feel informed, right? And 
Um, and feeling informed comes with where you get your news consumption because you can feel informed, but if you're watching something that's heavily opinionated, are you really informed? Are you informed on an issue led by someone's opinion of it? And I think that leads to a lot of the discourse that's happening today. Um, when, Absolutely. And, 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 you know, as much as, and, and we have friends and we have mutual friends that are um, opinion uh, reporters or uh, I guess, uh, and, and I mean, I frankly- You're like, what do we call them? They're commentators. Yeah. I don't know. They're hosts. Yeah. The hosts. And, um, <laughs> yeah. but that's challenging and it's challenging in two ways. Number one, because if you want to have civil discussions with people about the news, you have to just get the news by fact, right? Because any one line uh, can taint your opinion or your understanding of, uh, of the, of the news of a certain story or something that's happening. And that is ultimately, and, and that's why I continue to like push and push for not just women, but men too, to, to smarter news is that platform. And I'm not BSing when I say, I don't know another platform that exists like that. You know, I know where I go to get my news outside of, of your platform. And as much as they are probably and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name them because they, but as much as they say that they are straight news, there there is literally nothing that exists. There is right. no newspaper. There is no magazine. There is no news show today that exists. And so you say, well, it's not hard. It was never hard for me to not put my opinion out there and just deliver straight facts. But in fact, it is hard to do. It may not be hard, but it is super hard. It is hard to do. And, right. and sometimes it's hard for me to watch you delivering straight news on things that I already have an opinion on where I'm like, well, no, <laughs> I mean, come on, you got to, you got to say it this way because this is what it really, <laughs> but that's my opinion, right? That's not the fact. Right. And so even when, but it's got, also what, what you're used to seeing too, you know, and that, and that's okay. I, I totally understand that. I mean, you no. could get mad at me, Ryan. Yeah. Well, I don't really get mad, but you know, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, this, I do, I do this idea of setting up this platform and going into it because you can say you're, I mean, you're apolitical, you're, you know, you're nonpartisan, but at the end of the day, we all have opinions, you know, everybody has an opinion. And so, um, one of the things that I found fascinating through smarter news is how you do report. You touched on foreign policy and how you report on, um, foreign policy issues, especially in, in recent days. Um, you know, I think important to share with the listeners that you are the wife of a retired Navy SEAL. Um, so you are very connected to the military community. And um, with that in mind, you're reporting on things where I'm sure you and your husband feel certain ways about things, just given because they are part of your life. Um, how do you, how do you kind of pull that and you say it's easy and you say you've never, but like, how do you pull that out when you are sharing? Sure. I mean, it, it is easy in this way. First of all, it's all about discipline, right? And if you've practiced something over and over again, then it becomes easier. So it is a mental exercise in that. But to be honest with you, I don't go into a story even thinking about how I'm thinking about it. I go into a story thinking about how I'll make it easier for someone else to access it. And so instantly the paradigm is different when the priority is on your audience and how you better serve them. So that's just number one. And in some cases, Ryan, it'll take me a while to like digest what we've covered. I remember the Sandy Hook shooting. I was on the air for that. And while that was happening and horrible shooting at an elementary school, I mean, so devastating. We couldn't even imagine that something like that would happen and being on live television with it, all the wrong reports. And then you finally realize what's actually taking place. And it was terrible. I mean, that took me like a week before I like really came down from that. I'm good in an emergency situation. I get a lot of clarity and it takes me longer to process it. So I'm actually 
pretty honest when I say in some cases, I actually don't know exactly how I feel about it. And I leave that time for later because I have work to do. And the work that I see, my service that I can contribute is providing clarity during, especially those really crazy, confusing, chaotic times, because that's when people need you the most. They need that from me. They don't actually need what I think about it. You know, I almost didn't date Leif, my husband, because I was like, I can't, you're in the military. (laughs) I need to be neutral as a journalist. And then I realized if that was the case, I wouldn't be able to date anybody in any field. And I had to adjust that a little bit. Um, But it, you know, that actually has been a very key part of understanding more about foreign policy, more about the actual personal effects of the the headlines, because I've been become more personally connected to the military. By the way, the news and the way people feel about the news There's also a lot of really great journalists out there that do want to practice really good journalism. I think there is a lack of self-awareness of how much they work they may need to do to, to gain more empathy. And what I mean by that is I fell into a relationship with a Navy SEAL that gave me a connection to the military. That was just happenstance. I happened to walk away from my job in New York city and ended up relocating unexpectedly four weeks later to rural Texas. I've never lived outside of the city, never lived outside of an apartment in my entire life. You know, I'd never lived in a house, you know, and, and coming into those situations and realizing, Hey, I'm the, I'm actually the weird one that's delivering the news. Look, I didn't know all these things about how people were living, which is actually the majority of the people that I'm serving. Um, that's enabled me also to kind of keep the priority on who I think is left out of the conversation. There is this elitism that's coming from the news And that is also very destructive to it. And I don't even think even some of the best journalists are aware of it. It's such a tone that's ingrained in them right now. And I think if they were open to it, they could break out of it. Some of them, but, but not all of them. So I don't know if that really answers your question. I think the other, the other really important mantra that we stumbled upon at Smart News, and I just said it one day, but it's true curiosity over commentary. If you lead with curiosity in any aspect of your life, whether it's having a fight with a spouse, whether it's with your children, whether it's at work, whether it's approaching the news, if your priority is on curiosity and a simple question of how are you, how does that feel? What actually happened? Instead of telling someone what you think about a situation, your whole posture in the conversation changes. And so I have to remind myself of that regularly. Like when we're looking at these stories um, that everyone feels like they know the answer to, like, how do we remain curious about it? Because that actually will lead us in the right direction. And that's curiosity is so key to being successful as a journalist, but I think also being fulfilled as an individual and avoiding some of these clashes, because if you immediately lead with that, being curious about a situation, even when you don't feel like it, (laughs) it, it actually is really helpful. Well, I love that you touched on, um, for those that don't know, Jenna's husband is Leif Babin, who is the co-author of Extreme Ownership. And when you, and you, you definitely took a little bit of that when you said it's all about discipline because, uh, yes. And like, oh, what you got to be disciplined. Like, yeah, it's hard, but you got to be disciplined. And that's something that Leif pounds over and over again. And I love, But listen, you also have to, to not at this point with the access that we have to information to not show two sides actually takes more work. I mean, think about that for a second. Like we have unbelievable access to a lot of opinions. So when you're getting a story that actually doesn't include another one, that's actually harder work. It's much easier to be like, here's one side, here's another, make up your own minds. Like that's what, that's actually what we do. We want to give you both of those opinions with a little facts to support both of them. And then I respect you, you know, and that's showing my respect for you is not telling you what to think. But also when it comes to these opinion journalism, I, I hate that term. And I've said opinion journalism is an excuse for lack of discipline because you actually have to disregard anything. Like you have to disregard just some of the basics yeah. to do that, to try to be, you know, so to, to me, it's just such a cop out. It's so easy to find two sides of a story. You well, know, I think in the last year and a half, it's been hard because you probably have about 10 sides and that can be more difficult to figure out which ones to feature. Well, and I think what's interesting is that what you've tapped into at, at Smarter News is you've actually utilized social media as the platform to deliver your news. And um, right. your audience has grown exponentially. Um, and obviously, you know that the numbers better than me, but, but from what I've seen, 
even more so in the last couple of years, like big jumps with, with everything that you're doing. And I'd love to talk to you about the, the idea of saying, okay, this is going to be my platform. I'm going to use social media as a tool to deliver, deliver my news. And, but also the risk that comes with that, because I'd imagine there's, there's a big risk. I mean, this isn't, you, you don't have control over the platform that you right. deliver your information. And so that has to be really scary. It is. And it's a huge problem. And it's one that we're trying to solve and think about different ways we can reach people. But the bottom line is this, if, if I'm going to say a customer service is important, then I have to be where the people are and the highway that everyone's driving on is social media for right now. If that changes, we'll adjust. And we're adjusting in other ways too, including figuring out what, you know, we have, we built up a whole web platform that should easily transition into an app. We should, uh, we have going to double up what we're doing regularly on social media in podcast form. You know, smarter news wasn't meant to be only, it's not like news for women. I just use women as inspiration. Like if you're, if you have three minutes a day because you're running around doing a lot of different stuff, how do you actually deliver to that person? Since we've been able to target that consumer, then you realize it. I mean, it's not just women, it's men that also need it. And so that's why we want to develop also smarter news that, that is no HER. Um, social media is tricky. And there's been times that our content's been taken down. You have no explanation. You know, you're on rented space. You're not even, actually you would have more rights as a renter than I have on, on a social media platform, but it is where the people are. And to give you some perspective, Ryan, you joined us. We were talking about Afghanistan during that time. We had amazing growth during the period of, of the U S withdrawal from Afghanistan. So just a little perspective. I don't love, you know, these metrics because I think they change a lot. And I really like double sourcing numbers because <laughs> I'm a journalist and I want to be able to, what I say matters. So at the height of this, when we were seeing so much traffic on Instagram, which was one of our main areas where people are we were reaching more than a million and a half accounts on a regular basis, you know, and that that's more now accounts don't equal people necessarily, right? Engagement is read differently, but if I'm looking at what I was getting rating wise at Fox, that's actually higher than I was getting as a daily news program at Fox. So it's come down now when it goes through news cycles, right? If there's a period where there's not as much breaking news or some, something that's not quite as, uh, does it ignite the interest as much? You know, we are, it is news dependent. It is the news people aren't, you know, and that's okay. It's going to ebb and flow, but that really gave me some hope of, oh, this is really happening. You know, this is actually what, what I hoped would happen is happening. Yeah. People actually do want the news. We see that. And we're starting to get all the numbers that are suggesting that we, we really matter you know, and that we're making a difference. And that's all you want as an entrepreneur. You want a successful company, but in order for it to be successful, you have to have the people. And that's the only thing that really matters. Well, and I think, you know, even just touching on the, the idea of the Afghanistan and, and the withdrawal, like when you talk about 10 different opinions, you know, it's 20 different opinions, right? right? Yeah. And so to mm -hmm. know that people were going to you as the source to gain information from that tells you that, that what you're doing matters because, and frankly, I was too. I mean, I, I love waking up and looking at your Instagram and seeing like, okay, what's hot today, you know? And a lot of times you put, you deliver news that isn't even going to be mainstream. And there's things mm -hmm. that you, that you will put up there. I'm like, I had no idea. Right. And I love feeling informed like that. I feel, I feel smarter when I read a smarter news post. I'm like, you know, like <laughs> I, I will, I, I'm trying to think there was something just recently that you put out and I can't remember. And it was, it was a bit mundane in terms of, but I was like, this is really helpful information. And I, I wouldn't see this anywhere else. And, and you're known for doing that. But then when the big things come up like Afghanistan, I mean, it was not just, it was constant because things were changing minute by minute and you were there to update minute by minute on what was happening. And um, I just so much appreciate uh, the time and the effort that you put in um, as a working mother. And I think that's something too, you know, this idea, and I'd love to just talk about this real briefly. Um, and, and I touched on it before, like you don't shy away from like putting your real life out so people can understand, you know, you're delivering a 
five minutes on something and, and you've got your, you know, there's your, your son that comes in and, you know, maybe he needs something to drink and, and it's just real, right? It's like, okay, this is what, it's not polished. You don't have, I mean, your look on Smarter News is like, you were a beauty pageant queen on Fox. Scary sometimes no, it's might be not the answer. Scary. It's not, no, it's real. And that's what I think is uh, people relate to. And I have found that so much, especially, you know, I've had all these conversations about social media. And listen, I use social media, a much smaller platform than yours, but I, I try to use it to share who I am and a little bit of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like you never want to put this false narrative out there that you got everything together. Um, we are both mothers of three children and, you know, we're both working professionals and it's, it's not easy. I'm never going to say it's easy. Um, I'm always the first to say like, it takes a village. I could never do what I'm able to do by myself uh, without tremendous support. And still there are days where I feel like I either failed as uh, a working professional or I failed as a mom. And it just depends on the day on which I feel I failed at. But uh, I never want to say like, you can have it all and it's always going to be perfect, but it's important to put that out there and to like destigmatize this idea that we're going to make every bake sale at, um, and be at every, you know, back to school event for our kids and also be able to thrive professionally. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay. And I think for me, and I see your kids see you, they see what you're doing. They see you behind the mic. They see you delivering the news. Like, you know, it may not all make sense to them now, but when you look at this idea of that image of your grandfather, like make no mistakes that like that same image is going to be etched into your children's mind about what you're doing day in and day out. So, um, you know, I'd love to know from you, like, uh, your, your thoughts, your takes on, on, you know, trying to do it all. Well, a couple of things. I think that we're, we're in the news industry, we're sort of coming full circle. So you're seeing the rise and already the existence of these really powerful podcasts that look more like an old fashioned radio show. And it really proves that no matter amount of production and, and detail, uh, will win you viewers it's, or listeners, it's really about the service that you provide. Sometimes that's commentary and sometimes that's news. And by the way, opinion and commentary is really important. Like you pointed out, it's news. We want some firm foundation under our feet, but you actually can enjoy commentary so much more. I love commentary. I'm glad that, you know, you got these millions of people that follow all these different thought leaders. Like th those, those folks are important. We, so we need commentators, but we also need the news. And it's the, dis the unbalance of that, um, that I think is, is really the issue. So in a lot of ways, what I'm doing, and I, I, for a long time, Ryan, when I started Smart News, I didn't appear on Smart News at all because I just think I needed a break. And it wasn't about being in front of a camera that got me into journalism. So in some cases, I just stepped way back from that. And what I realized is that I couldn't because it is how people connect. I built Smarter News as Smarter News, not the Jenna Lee network, because I want to grow it with other people that will, you will also see that will also be dedicated to the same values that I have, that I feel like I can help mentor and coach and develop. And I think that's really important. That's where Smarter News can really grow and bloom. So there's a humility involved in that to be able to, to get in a, a practice of humility sometimes like actual humiliation <laughs> and then actual humility of being like, you know what? I, I, I if I wait and get, tried to get fully dressed today, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this newscast. And I'm looking across the news. The news is talking about all sorts of things that don't matter to anybody, but like the fact that we have empty shelves really matters. So let's just focus on that. I'm going to, so that's what actually happened today. I barely got it all together. I had to drop all the kids at school. Dad is gone. Like it is what it is. And I think in some ways that falls in line with what smarter news is as well, which is that let's just drop the artificiality. We're not a 24 hour news service. You actually don't need a 24 hour news service at certain times in, in those really important stories. Obviously I'm up and paying close attention, but I'm also looking at a lot of headlines that I'm like, yeah, that doesn't actually matter. You know, this, okay, this headline matters. So I'll show, I'll share that one, you know, and really making that editorial call. But in, 
it, I get frustrated. I get frustrated all the time. It's so much easier to go into an office where like you can focus and drink a cup of coffee and like do your work. It's like magic. What was that vacation? Like, let me go back there. I remember going into my office. I could read a newspaper that doesn't happen at all anymore. And it's, it's a real source of strife for me as a professional. It's become a huge strain on my marriage. We're both entrepreneurs with crazy schedules. I mean, it's been terrible at times. It's not easy. There's been moments where I'm like, why am I even doing this? I haven't even paid myself in almost four years. I've paid a lot of other people. Um, that's hard to swallow, you know, for someone that likes to work, you know, I like to work. So, but I keep on thinking this wouldn't be put on my heart. And that sounds like very, you know, put on my heart. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm embracing my Texan in that because someone <laughs> actually said that to me once putting something on your heart, putting, it wouldn't be there if I wasn't supposed to pursue it. And when it's not there anymore, I won't, but I can't, literally can't stop. Like I know people need the help. Um, I know that we can be effective. I know that it's possible. And so that's requiring something different of me right now. And it's requiring me to a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of anxiety, but I keep on feeling like, just like in the past, those chapters of my life led me to that next place. Like, obviously I'm being led to that next place and hopefully in the meantime can actually provide a solution for people. So, um, but to your point, I mean, failure is like a constant theme, like all the time you should see, I mean, it looks nice behind me here. Like you should see the rest of my office. It is a disaster. (laughs) And that's just an example of how life feels. Yeah. You should see the rest of my house. It's covered in, uh, it's covered in bats that, uh, I was trying to be the good mother. My, my Travis, my, my seven-year-old son saw these little bats on Amazon, these little black bats you could order. And so he said, mom, will you get me these? And I ordered them and out came like 240 black bats that were this big. And so I was like, okay, I got to make this look good. So I'm trying to put them in this design and he's crying and fighting with me. And it's seven o'clock at night. And my husband's like, just let him do his thing. You know, he's like, you're you're trying to micromanage the kid putting bats up. I'm like, well, I want it to look nice. You know? And he's like, yeah, we were having a moment. (laughs) Yeah. And so finally I was like, Go ahead, Trav. So now I have bats on light switches, bats on, I mean, literally my house is covered in bats and I looked at it today and I'm like, that's how it's supposed to look. And that's okay. You know, everything can't be perfection. So Jen, I'd love to ask a couple more questions for you. When you look back on the trials of your life, both personally and professionally, can you point to anything that you would have done differently? Hmm. Uh, it's again, maybe it was in preparation to talk to you on this, but I was thinking a lot about this, um, last night and it's easy to look back on my time at Fox because there were different events that when I look back on them, I'm, I'm like, Oh, that's what was happening there. And I was, I was too young to realize that was taking place. Um, in one particular instance, there was an executive I just assumed the position that I had on the news channel. So this was a huge promotion and he was really uh, taking a focus on me and, you know, I put it saying that he was going to help me, you know, be taken more seriously by my team and all of these things. Uh, actually everything that Leif talks about in leadership, that's like good leadership. Like this was the opposite of this, you know? And so I didn't really, you know, he was like, you need, you need to speak up more. You need to be more aggressive. You need to, all these things are not going to take you seriously. You're not going to be successful, you know, and he had worked a lot of places, you know, he had been at the top networks and he was in a top position and I like being coached. So I thought, okay, well, I guess that's how it is here. Cause I, I, I am young and I maybe don't know how things are supposed to go. And in the background of that, there was a lot of other things that were happening with my team dynamic. And I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have so blindly kind of followed instruction, which is so counterintuitive because I think it is important to take mentorship and coaching and, and that's really critical, but this, I didn't feel right about. And I, but I thought I need to follow directions. And so I felt very torn. Now it didn't lead me to do anything crazy. You know, um, I wasn't a total nightmare or anything like that, but it wasn't who I was. And that took a while. It took a re- kind of a dramatic event for me to kind of wake up and be like, oh my gosh, he actually doesn't want to talk to the team. This is why he's getting me to talk to the team. <laughs> he, he's actually talking to the producers in a different way than he's talking to me. 
And this is why producers and on-air people have conflict. And I didn't realize, you know, it took me like maybe a year and a half to realize that was what was really going on. Um, so that, that I look back on. Yeah. Yeah. My intuition on that was like, huh, but I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. And that is something that I realized that experience does matter and, and life experience matters and being respectful of that. Although sometimes it's hard to grow older (laughs) is important. I look, so I was thinking about that the other night, but you know, I don't have that many regrets because in most situations I just worked really hard. And if you just work hard, even when it doesn't normally, you know, all the time come out the way that you want, then at least you're proud of your work. And ultimately I'm proud of my work. I wish I pushed harder to get out into, like, I really wanted to report from Afghanistan and I just wasn't allowed to do it. Wasn't allowed to do it. It became a huge issue for me. It was part of the, one of the issues that, um, that I realized that I can't just stay in a studio. It's not going to be good. Um, and so I look back on that and think, oh, I should have pushed there too. But yeah, most, most of it, like, like I said, if you work hard and you really work hard and you really put your heart into it, even when you make mistakes, I'm a little bit more easy on myself for that because it was in the effort of, of working hard, not in the effort of being conniving or manipulative or trying to cheat my way to anything. And so I think that's, I'm sure, I'm sure I should, I'll, I'll think about my regrets for the rest of the day though, Ryan, and have a list for you later. <laughs> Things that I'm like, oh yeah, remember that? Also forget that. Didn't like that dress I wore. Didn't like that hairstyle. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, you know, there's superficial ones and then there's deeper ones. Yes. Well, it, it, it's funny as we sit here and, you know, I'm wearing a extra large sweatshirt and my pants, I worked out the, this morning and uh, my sports bra underneath. <laughs> And I think about that first time I, I actually laugh at the first time I came on Fox with you and, and it was a beautiful piece, but I looked like I had flown in from Texas because my hair was like this big, you know, the, the, they come in and they're just like, boom, here you go. And yeah. it's, it's a lot different. And I love, again, I love out of everything that bothers me about the media today. And there are a lot of things. But I love this idea that we can create our own platforms and just share stories, share news. Uh, you know, the, the opportunity is limitless if we um, work hard to put ourselves out there. And uh, I think that's really important that you don't feel bound to any one thing. And, um, well, and I think it's important for your organization. I think it's anyone that's listening. I think that's one of the key advice sometimes on this, you know, I'll, I'll consult with some companies about their storytelling. Um, I've done this a little bit on the side or people that are delivering a speech, for example, and it's really gratifying to help people tell the story that they're meant to tell. And so it's just something I do sort of for fun, uh, with just a select group of people, but that's one piece of advice. Like you are your own network now, and you need to tell the story for yourself, but also your team repeatedly over and over again, because we need to remind ourselves of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And some of the very basics of it. And, you know, uh, I, I think part of my perspective now that I'm able to, to at least lend to a broader conversation about storytelling, I think it's really important that smarter news is based in Texas, you know, that we're based in a state that is very, uh, patriotic and, people love their families and people want the best for the country. And it's, it's been a really important learning experience for me to be welcomed here with open arms and and to really build a company from that perspective. Because if you feel stuck on your storytelling, and I do feel like storytelling is stuck where it is because it's centered in just two key regions in the United States, Washington, DC, and then New York, Mm -hmm. you got to get outside of that perspective to actually provide a solution. And so um, the Texas headquarters, also known as my office and a little office down the road, uh, have been really helpful in that. And, and, and a key part, a key part of our story at Smart News is that we don't talk about flyover country. We're actually based in flyover country. And that term is absolutely ridiculous and should never be used ever again. So yeah, I, about that. no, that is, that's so important. Two things. You are your own network. You're your brand. You have to tell your story. And there are ways for you to do that. Anybody can, can get out there and tell their story. And yeah, I mean, we have 
99.99% of our news is coming out of two major cities. And, um, you know, that's why they're there. It feels stuck. You feel stuck when, and, and it all feels the same, even if it's a different opinion and a different, it just all feels the same. And, um, well, they're the same people hanging out at the same cocktail parties. You don't realize that you think like they're like enemies, but they actually like hang out together. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're really not that different, you know? And so that's where that feeling comes from. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Jenna, last question I ask everybody on the resilient life podcast is what does living a resilient life look like for you? resilience is a practice, you know, it's not an end result. And I think resilience, a resilient life is about the work. It's not a very original reaction to it, but resilience is practicing that hard work all the time. And listen, everybody needs a break. So part of resilience is understanding when you need it. And I'm not great at that, but I do think being a resilient person just comes from the thought that you are and that you're going to continue to be so. And there's going to be speed bumps along the way, but the practice of resilience is just the work that it takes. And it's not glamorous and most people won't do it. So if you're, if you're kind of recalibrating yourself about where you are, when it comes to that conversation, usually it's just a little bit more work than you probably thought. (laughs) And that's, I think that's really important. Yeah. And so true. Resilience is work to live a resilient life. It takes work. It takes work each and every day. And, you know, bringing it back to life, it takes some discipline. It takes discipline Mm -hmm. to be resilient. Um, and, um, I love it. I love you. I love everything that you do. Uh, we are going to, if you have not listened and checked out smarter news, um, we will share links, uh, to, uh, smarter news when we post the episode you need to follow Smarter News uh, for another set of real talk, real news, um, straight facts, and let that be your guiding light to when you kind of enter into all the mush and the commentary and the opinion. Uh, I always go there first to just get it and, and frankly, to form my own thoughts before I listen to others. And I think that's really important the way we can be manipulated and not even know it at times by people's thoughts and opinions on something. You go to Smarter News, you get the news, you make your own opinions on something, and then you can go out and listen to all the rest of the garbage. Um, maybe that was a little <laughs> harsh, but um, Jenna, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for coming on the Resilient Life Podcast. Thank you for all you do for the Travis Manning Foundation and sharing the word of the work that we do. And thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of the Resilient Life Podcast. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Jenna, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan.